Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. It is a good morning, isn't it, for what is so rare as a day in June. And I hope that all of us are happy to be here in God's house at this hour. It is good to be back after an absence of one Sunday. You have heard me say that today is known in the Christian church as Trinity Sunday. And you may say, preacher, what's that mean? What's that all about? In other words, today is a festival day in the Christian church. It is the festival of the Holy Trinity. Now, this was a different kind of a festival than many of the other festivals that we celebrate in the church because there is no historical event connected with the festival of the Trinity. When we celebrated Christmas, there was an event. That was the birth of Jesus. And when we celebrated Good Friday, there was an event, his death. And Easter, there was an event, his resurrection from the dead. And Ascension Day, there was an event. He went up to heaven. And last Sunday, you know, you celebrated Pentecost. There was an historic event, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But when we come to the festival of the Holy Trinity, it is not connected with any historic event. And so it's a little bit different. And yet in the church, it was deemed wise that one Sunday be set aside in the church here in order to honor our God, in order to give honor and praise to God, because God has made himself known to us as a trinity, as a three-in-one God. That's the idea of this day. Now, the word trinity is made up, as you know, of two Latin words, trace, which means three, and unis, which means one. In other words, our God has made himself known to us as one God and yet a three-in-one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, three persons and yet only one God. And this is the Sunday then when we are called upon to praise and to thank and to glorify God that he has made this revelation of himself that he is Trinity. He is one God, not three gods, yet three persons God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The text that I just read is very much in keeping with this Sunday because it tells us about the baptism of Jesus. And you remember that when Jesus was 30 years of age, he came from up where he had grown up in Nazareth. He came down to the Jordan to be baptized of John the Baptist. And we are told that when he was baptized and came up from the water, that the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit came down as a dove and rested upon him. And then there was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. So that was the Father speaking, and Jesus was called the Son. So on the day of his baptism, we have the three persons there, God the Father speaking, This is my Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove. So the text is very appropriate. But you may say to me this morning, Preacher, what is there to rave about and to thank God about? because God has seen fit to reveal himself to us as a trinity, as one God and three persons. What's so wonderful about that? And you may say, well, preacher, I don't understand that. And may I say to you, I don't either. It's incomprehensible. It's something that, again, my mind staggers at how God can be one God, and yet at the same time, three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I don't understand that either. That is incomprehensible to my mind. And we may say, what's there to shout about then, to thank God about on this Sunday 
faith that God has revealed himself as Trinity, as one God and three persons. And may I say, this is what we want to do this morning. Let's take a look at the word of God and find out that there is every reason to thank and praise God that he has made himself known to us as Trinity because of the marvelous assurances the heartwarming assurances that you and I have that we would never have if God had not made himself known to us as Trinity, as one God, three persons, however, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let's look at some of the heartwarming comforts and assurances that you and I have, some of the certainties and some of the guarantees that we have because God chose to reveal himself to us as a Trinity, one God, yet three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the first place, God would remind you and me of this, that when he simply manifests himself and makes himself known to us as a triune God, God thus assures you and me that he is truly the one and the only living God, the Father, the creator of everything that exists. Some say, what is there to shout about when you talk about the Trinity, preacher? Because you don't understand it. May I answer you in this wise? When you look out on the religions of the world, there are many religions where, again, they are polytheists, that is, many gods. There are many religions on the face of the earth where men have one god, but there is only one religion on the face of the earth that has one God in yet three separate and distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. True, it's incomprehensible. You and I can't even fathom it. We can't grasp it, but we look up, don't we? And we say to ourselves, how does it come that Christianity alone has a God that says, I am Trinity, one God in three persons, that is incomprehensible, and the answer must be, this must have come out of heaven. No human being ever dreamed the Trinity. And because it must have been a revelation from heaven, and you and I, when we look at God, we don't understand him. We look up to him. God is greater. Your mind and mine cannot conceive him. And therefore, here is the assurance that God is the one and the only true God. Today, when men are doubting whether there is a God, you and I on Trinity Sunday, we can say, oh, yes, there's a God. He has made known something about himself that no human being has ever dreamed of. It is incomprehensible. One God and yet three persons. He is God the Father. And in the Word of God, we find that God ascribes especially to him the first person who is God the Father, the great work of the creation of the universe, all that exists. We say, is our God, this God, who is the one and the only true and living God because of the great revelation that he is Trinity, is our God big enough to have created the heavens and the earth? When you and I open our scriptures in Genesis 1-1, we have the story of creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It begins in the Hebrew, Bereshit, bara Elohim. And that word bara is a magnificent word. That word bara means to create. It means to make something out of nothing. When did God create the heavens and the earth? God says in the beginning. How long ago was that? God alone knows. But God created the heavens and the earth. This one and only true living Trinitarian, three in one God, he said, I created the heavens and the earth. There are those who would like to explain the origin of the universe without God. There are those who have tried to explain it on the basis of millions and millions of years of evolving. Yet it's rather interesting that at a recent symposium of those who gathered together in the anniversary of Darwinism, 
when they were speaking about the origin of the universe, that it must have evolved in the phylogenetic way from lower life to higher life in the various species, the two eminent scientists said this, on the basis of scientific investigation, we have never found any missing link from one origin to the other and from one species. And therefore, they have said, if it took place by evolving in millions of years, then this evolving must have been instantaneous. It must have jumped from one species to the other without a joint link. And because there is no link and it must have been instantaneous, as science would say, it's rather interesting for you and me to know this, that when we talk about atomic fission, we talk about what is atomic energy and fission. It is creation in reverse, friend, according to scientific statements, that when we take the atom and we go ahead and we divide it in fission, we reduce it back to energy, which is invisible. Creation is the other way around, this triune God, by the power that is hid with the energy, the dynamite of his, he created the heavens and the earth. I'm inclined to believe for myself that God is big enough that it was instant because, again, there are no scientific links from one species to the other and the flesh of fish does not mix with the flesh of birds and the flesh of birds is distinct and it doesn't procreate with the flesh of men or with the flesh of animals. But the great and glorious assurance is this, that when we have our God who has revealed himself as triune, the one and only who has created the universe, God gives you and me this comforting assurance that we are his special creation. Why did God, this Trinitarian God, create the universe? He created it for you and for me. This is the answer in the word of God. He wanted a creature to enjoy it. We were to have dominion over it. And when we send men to the moon, we have every right to do so. Whether that's the thing to do or not, that's another question. We are to have dominion. God made it for us. We are the apple of his eye. When God made man, he tells us he made us in his own image. This Trinitarian God, without a body, he fashioned your body and mine. What a tremendous task he did. And then he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. We are in the image of God. We have a soul, and it's immortal. We are soul is immortal. Our spirit, that is the you and the I. That's the me. If you will pardon the incorrect English, it is the me. It is the I. This is God that is immortal. And therefore we say to ourselves, why should I give thanks to God on Trinity Sunday that God has revealed himself as Trinitarian? Because you and I have this comforting assurance. We are God's lords of creation. This universe was created for us to enjoy it. God made us in his own image. We are a special creation of God. And therefore we ought to thank God today and say to ourselves, there is reason, even though, again, Trinity is incomprehensible. Nevertheless, I will thank and praise God that God revealed himself as a three-in-one God, one God in three persons. And then only then will you and I thank him and say, God, even though mankind sinned, you gave us a second chance. Rather amazing, isn't it? God made Adam and Eve with a free will. They didn't have to disobey God, but when they were tempted of Satan, they disobeyed God and they didn't have to. And sin came into the world. But right there in the Garden of Eden, when sin came, and our first parents, who were the world, when they lost the image of God, God gave them a second chance. He then promised the seed of the woman that would come and would bring life and salvation. We ought to say to ourselves, this is worth crowing about. This Trinity Sunday, it's worth our thanks and praise to God that God has made himself known as Trinity. Because there you and I also have the joy of seeing the mercy and the pity of God. This Trinitarian God is merciful. He's gracious. He gave us a second chance. 
We didn't deserve it. When our first parents sinned, they deserved to be damned forever. But God gave a second chance, this Trinitarian God. Today is rather an unusual festival, the festival of the Holy Trinity, because it doesn't have any historic occasion whereby again we base it. But again, this is the day when the church says, we look at our God and we thank and praise him because he has made this revelation of himself from heaven. That he's one God, yet three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you and I say, but that's incomprehensible. I can't fathom that. I can't fathom That's right. You and I can't. But oh, what tremendous assurances and what heartwarming comforts we have. Because in the second place, God would remind you and me that in revealing himself to us as a triune God, a three-in-one God, one God and yet three persons, God thus assures you and me that Jesus of Nazareth was no less than God himself. He was very God, a very God. He was deity. He was God the Son. Supposing God had never made himself known this Trinity, how could you and I ever believe that Jesus of Nazareth, the child of Mary, that he was God? Remember when he spoke in the synagogues and in the temple and occasionally when they brought the sick to him and he said, I forgive you your sins. Remember when his own countryman says, who does this man think he is? He forgives sins, only God forgives sins. This man is guilty of blasphemy. If God had never revealed himself as Trinity, you and I would say, well, Jesus of Nazareth blasphemed. How could he forgive sins? Only God forgives sins. But God revealed himself as one God and yet three separate and distinct persons, God the Son. On the day of his baptism, God the Father said, This is my beloved Son, very God of very God, conceived. Yes, he is the only begotten Son of God. He is from everlasting. He is deity. He is God the Son as he manifested when he was here on earth in the miracles that he performed in raising individuals from the dead and raising himself from the dead. Thank God that God made himself known as a Trinitarian God. Otherwise, you and I would feel it was blasphemous in order to turn to Jesus of Nazareth and to say that he was no less than God the Son. But that's who he was. He was the eternal second person who, when the fullness of time was come, he came into the world and was born of the Virgin Mary, a human being. He was born a human being, took to himself a human body and a human soul, the only person of the Trinity that became man. And he dwelt among us, and it brings this comforting assurance because of the Trinity that as God, he atoned for the sins of the world, and he opened up heaven and eternal life for you and me. If we didn't know that God was Trinitarian, there would be no way of salvation that you and I could depend upon. We would look at Jesus and we would say, it's blasphemy to call him God. But because of God revealing himself as triune, because God saying Jesus is also God, he is God the Son. How he's God the Son from eternity, we don't know. Uncreated, it only says only begotten, and that we don't know what it means. But we do know that again, from eternity without beginning, the Son existed with the Father. He came into the world, therefore, as God. And what a comforting assurance to know that on the cross he took your guilt and mine, and he took our punishment, and he bore hell and damnation for you and me, and he opened up heaven by his righteousness. Is it any comfort to you and I to know here we are in this world and we say the world looks like it's coming apart at the seams and you've got death on every hand. Some of you have had recent deaths in your home and you say what's that live for? And you and I are facing death and you've got it all around and there's the grave and we say there's an enemy. How can we conquer it? Then to be able to say but God revealed himself as triune. In Jesus Christ, God's son, 
there is life and there is eternal salvation because he was no less than God. And therefore there is a heaven. And by faith in him there is life and salvation. You and I will see our loved ones because Jesus is coming again. And even our bodies will be raised from the dead. This is assurance, friends, that we have because of Trinity. If God had never revealed himself as triune God, we wouldn't have that kind of comfort concerning Jesus Christ, and therefore we ought to thank and praise him. This is something to shout about. Yes, when you begin to think about it, thank God he made himself known, even though individuals turn in disgust and they say, how in the world can you as individual human beings with a mind, how can you ever accept the Trinity? People say, well, that's ridiculous. How can there be one God and three persons, separate and distinct? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all separate and distinct. God the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Ghost. Men say, that defies human reason. Does it make it ridiculous, or may I ask you this question? Could it be that you and I, with our little finite minds, have got to learn in life that God is bigger than we are, and that it doesn't defy human reason, that you and I have got to look up? This is something above human reason. Oh, I have individuals say, how can you believe in a trinity? The word doesn't even occur in Scripture, and I know that, and so do you. It's a coin word, it isn't there. And some say, how about in 1 John 5, the 7th verse, and people like to quote that one, where it says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And they say, most of your sacred texts don't have that verse, as though if you pulled out 1 John 5, 7, that you wouldn't have any trinity. Why, there's trinity all over the scriptures. In the creation story, God said, let us make man. That wasn't the editorial plural we he was talking to Trinity and it says, And the Spirit of God hovered upon the face of the waters. And God again, he promised the seed of the woman in the Garden of Eden. Who was the seed of the woman but God the Son? The Trinity is all over the Old Testament. We don't need 1 John 5, 7. It ought to be there because it expresses the truth that is found every place else in Scripture. There are those that say we cannot accept the Trinity because we can't understand it. May I say that religion is above human reason. And this is one place where you stand and you look up. If I look down on God and he answers all my rationalities and I can reason him out, then I'm God, not he. There is one place where you and I get on our knees and we look up. We say, God, my little one-track mind can't conceive of you. And God says, I know it because I'm God and you aren't. Those who reject the Trinity like to call themselves Unitarians. The Unitarian is the person that I reject the idea of three persons, that Jesus is God. I accept only one God, and so they don't want to be called Christians. The touchstone of Christianity is simply this, friend. You may say, is the church, the Christian church, put this as the touchstone. Does it believe in the Trinity? When any church says that it no longer believes in one God and yet three persons, it ceases to be a Christian church. It is not Christian. This is the very bulwark and the very basis of the Christian faith. Our God, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and at the same time go and baptize him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Don't let the Trinity make you and me so conceited that we say that because your reason and mine, small and puny as it is, cannot fathom it, that therefore it can't exist. God is above, not contrary to, but above human reasoning. That gives us the joy of, oh, what a merciful God. 
God was up against it. He knew when he would reveal himself as Trinity that there would be those who say, I reject that. That's ridiculous. How can there be one God and not three gods if there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? But God knew this, that I'm going to take a risk because if I don't reveal my innermost being as Trinity, I can't reveal Jesus Christ as my Son as the way of salvation. And God wanted to save you and me rather than to damn you and me. And so again, this is why in mercy and in pity, he revealed himself as Trinity, something that your mind and mine can't comprehend. Pretty nice to take a Sunday and take a look at the Trinity, isn't it? And to thank God for it because we said, oh, what, what blessings come to me? Well, God also reminds you and me that in revealing himself to us and making known that he is Trinity, he is a three-in-one God. God also assures us that the Holy Spirit is truly God also. Who is this Holy Spirit? If God had not revealed himself as Trinity, whenever you talk about the Holy Spirit, we'd, we'd write it in small letters, not capital letters. We'd say, well, this Holy Spirit, this must be, or Holy Ghost must be just an abstract power or some kind of a force that goes forth from God. Yet last Sunday on Pentecost Sunday, and I'm sure you heard the message here, it was the Sunday when we commemorated the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When ten days after ascension there was a sound that you remember of a mighty rushing wind and the cloven tongues of fire on the heads of the believers and again they spoke in languages that they didn't understand but others understood and the Holy Spirit came. He was coming now. The work of Christ was done. The third person, God the Holy Spirit came to begin a new phase, the worldwide evangelization to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. This was Pentecost, wasn't it? Because of Trinity. You and I know that the Holy Spirit is God. We call him the sanctifier. Sanctus means holy and fuckery means to make holy, to set apart for God. He is the great Christian maker. What comfort that is and ought to be and what it is to me as a minister to know that when I stand up here and preach the word of God, I don't make Christians. Thank God I don't because I'd go crazy if I thought that I did. But I know this, that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings men to repentance and faith. He is the power in the word of God. Jesus says, my word is spirit and my word is life. That God can use me, an old earthen vessel, a sinner beyond question even as you. That when I preach the word of God, that this is the assurance that the Holy Spirit operates here. And that he operates with all the power that is necessary, with everything that is needed to bring any man to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, he respects a man's free will. You and I can resist him. You and I can say no to him. But in every case, when a man stops fighting the Holy Spirit, when a man stops saying no, this Holy Spirit working through this word, and that's why it's called the dynamite of God, as Paul says, when the Holy Spirit can come into a man's heart, he will use all the power that is necessary to bring that man to say, I'm sorry, to bring that man to true repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, to bring him to eternal life. This is the comfort of the Trinity, uh, that it's not up to the preacher, that you and I don't make Christians. The only kind of Christians there are are Holy Ghost Christians and Whatever power is necessary he uses in your life and mine, the same power for all of us because he yearns equally for your salvation and mine. 
And that's why on Trinity Sunday we ought to say, I, I see something to shout about. Thank God that he revealed himself as a triune God, as a trinity, as a three-in-one God. And then it ought to be the chief aim of your life and mine, never to say no to the coming of the Holy Spirit. How often in your life and mind have we not felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit? How often has it not been we come into church some Sunday and we've said to ourselves, my, the word of God seemed to be right hitting me today. It seemed to be just going down my row of corn. It just, everything that the preacher said this morning just seems to fit me. Have you ever felt it? You and I, there was something about it. We said, the Holy Spirit is calling, he's beckoning. We ought to say to ourselves, oh, what a tremendous power is God the Holy Spirit who yearns and longs for your salvation and mine, that we might be saved, that we might not be lost. I know there's much being said about the Holy Spirit today. There are individuals who are all excited about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, talking about the fact that in the early church again there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit where men spoke in languages that even they didn't understand, sort of an ecstatic bliss and an ecstasy, as though this were something that every Christian must experience if he wants to be assured of salvation. May I say this? In all these charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, you may have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and still be lost. Paul says, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not love, which is the fruit of faith, I'm a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I'd like to have you know this, that there is one great concern, that you and I never say no to the Holy Spirit. Well, that's the unpardonable sin, you know. The only sin that damns you and me is to say no to the Holy Spirit who yearns to bring you and me to faith in Christ. You and I are not damned because we're an adulterer or because we're a murderer or an extortioner or because we're a drunker, because we're a dope thief. No man's ever lost because of that. You may say, oh, you mean to say that the Holy Spirit wants me? I don't care who you are. As long as I don't say no, I can prove to you very easily that no man is lost because he's an adulterer or a drunkard or an extortioner or what have you. Let's go back to Good Friday when Jesus was on the cross. There was a malefactor on one side and one on the other. They were both murderers. They were both dying because of all the things that they had done wrong. They were both sinners. What was the difference? Why was one on the right saved and the other one on the left lost? Because he wasn't quite the murderer of this guy. Oh, no. They both heard the Holy Spirit coming to them through what Jesus had spoken. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And this one on the right, you know, he was blaspheming and ridiculing Jesus too. But when the Holy Spirit came to him as he was calling the man on the left through the word of Jesus, this one on the right suddenly leaned forward and tried to see the man on the left and told him to keep quiet. We're suffering for what we ought to be suffering for. We deserve it. But not this man. Here was repentance. The man, on the other hand, you see, when the Holy Spirit was calling him through the words of Jesus, was saying no. And then this man on the right, a murderer like the other guy, he looks up to Jesus and Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. There was a murderer calling, Lord, remember me. I, I put my trust in you. And in that moment, Jesus looked down at him. It must have hurt him to look down. Look down, but he must have smiled. I think he did. Today, malefactor, you're going to be with me in paradise. There may be somebody here this morning... You may say, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to call me. You may say, look at the gamut of my sin. I don't care what they are. Why was the man on the right saved and the man on the left lost? They were both murderers. This man was saved because he didn't say no to the call of the Holy Spirit. This man was lost because he said no. I don't care what we've done. When you and I, when the Holy Spirit comes to the word of God, 
because God has revealed himself as triune. He says, I yearn, I long for you. Tell me you're sorry. There isn't anybody here this morning who can't say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry enough to quit whatever it is that's between you and me and keeping us in Christ. And the Holy Spirit says here, I give you a faith in Jesus, accept it, believe in him. There isn't anybody here that wouldn't say, Lord, I put my trust in you. And then, oh, the joy of knowing that the bells of heaven rejoice. This is what makes heaven rejoice. When you and I stop saying no, to the Holy Spirit and God made him known in mercy by telling us that he was a triune God to be saved to be reunited with our loved ones to know that again the Holy Spirit has called us the only sin that damns is saying no no man was ever lost because he was a murderer and adulterer and a fornicator whatever have you he was lost only because in spite of those things he said no when the Holy Spirit called he shut his heart. When you bite off the hand that feeds you, when the Holy Spirit would say, oh, I want to have you saved, you and I say no, it's hopeless because there's no other way of salvation. We have bitten off the hand. Let no man go home in discouragement. There is no reason to ever say no. This triune God, oh, he's merciful and gracious. And to be saved, to walk the glory road, to know that the grave has no more fear. To know that our loved ones in Christ will greet us. To know that there is a glorious future for us. And we can go on the glory road and we can sing. Say, what song would you sing on Trinity Sunday? Why, well, go back in the Old Testament, 700 years before Jesus came into the world in the flesh, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Remember him? And Isaiah had a vision of heaven. God gave him a vision of the throne room of heaven. And Isaiah says, and I, he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and his raiment filled the entire room where he was. And then he says, and behind him I saw the seraphim, the angels. And the angels were behind him with their wings. And he said they were singing. And they sang. And this is tremendous. They sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Next thing. 700 years before Jesus came in the flesh, there were three holies. Don't forget that. Not just one. Holy, holy, holy. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus. The Trinity. And on the glory road today, we ought to say, thank God that he revealed himself as Trinitarian. Oh, what comfort, what joy. Even as I face death and I think of my loved ones, to be able to walk the glory road and say, God, to understand, it's incomprehensible, but I look up. You and I can say, but I'm saved because, oh, you revealed yourself as Trinity to save the world, and that means to save even me. Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabbath, Heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus. Amen, amen, amen. That's Trinity. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.